Are you a sneakerhead? Yeah, boy! A baller? Ballin'. Want to know about the hottest brands you can lace up and run with? Well, get ready, because we got all the details right here. Nice take by James. Oh, he stops! LeBron James puts it down in the face of James Johnson. Kevin Durant way outside. Delivers! Kevin Durant from downtown. It's a six-point game. And it goes off to Kobe. Good to ride Kobe underneath. Puts his nose on the line again. Makes the basket. He's fouled. Oh, what a play. And Kobe, after he was fouled, after the ball nestled in the net, he waved to a cameraman down in front. Says, take my picture, baby. Sixers running the break. Iverson accelerating to the jam. It's kicks and bricks where we got game on the streets, and on the court. Money's gotta be the shoes. Shoes, shoes, shoes. shoes. You sure it's not the shoes? I'm sure, Mars. Money's gotta be the shoes. And here's your host, Jamel Cutler. What up, what up? Welcome to Kicks. Joining us today is actor Omar Gooden. What's up, Omar? How you doing? I'm good, man. Blessed and highly favored. How are you? I'm all right, man. You know, being blessed is the only way that that I know how to roll. I know that's especially, right. Especially with with today's news of um of DMX leaving us. Like, and before we start, I want to give my condolences to to his friends and his family. Absolutely. Do you have any? Do you have any like favorite memories with um DMX? Uh, only time I actually um. Hung with DMX. He was doing a concert out in uh, in Arizona. Yeah, and he and he did the thing, mm-hmm. man. It was fun just watching him. He's an ultimate entertainer, ultimate performer. Um, you know, and, and he was definitely be missed in the hip hop community, and by his friends and family, of course. All right. So, like, we're digging ourselves out the pandemic. Like, how have you been maintaining over this last year? It's been interesting, you know, a lot of family time, um, which has been a good thing, a blessing. You know, I got two young kids, so uh, being able to be at home with them and, you know, go for walks and, and uh, you know, cook. And, uh, it, you know what I mean, that type that things that you normally take for granted, um, uh, that good quality time is, is what I took from it overall. Um, but then, you know, there's a lot going on, man, a lot going on. You know, is for me as a father, um, I found myself having to put on a smile for my kids a lot more, even though I wanted to go pick up something, run out in the streets and act a monkey, uh, you know, social injustices, you know, um, Facts. the pandemic, you know, uh, the leadership in the government, like it just everything made you want to just lose your stuff. You know what I'm saying? But, um, you know, I'm, on my social media and, and even to my friends and family, I always said, you got to keep smiling, got to smile through it because better days are coming. And, um, you know, even though it was really, really rough this last, you know, almost a year, a little over a year to date, um, I think that we have come a long way as a as a community, as a people. Um, I think we've we've opened up our eyes to one another. You know, um, a lot of people I've had I had friends I had a lot of friends that are not just black. You know what I mean? And they felt like. I think their eyes opened even more, even though they already thought they were, I think, um, sympathetic to the plight of the African-American and, and, and they thought they understood it or kind of you know, 
had a, a handle on, on their role and, and how they should feel when we say things or act a certain way. Um, and I think like with, with Floyd in particular, it just brought everything to the forefront and made everything real for everyone. Because, you know, even as a black man, I look at that and I, I look at the guy, you know, I don't even like to say his name that was on top of him that took his life. And I don't, I just don't understand how you can do that to another human another human being, man, woman, a child. How can you just take someone's life like that in cold blood, not out of spur of the moment, passion, crime, anger, but just, just calmly and coolly while a man is begging and pleading for his life, just continue to, to um, harm that man until he expires. And even then you're still callous about it. You know, it's just, it was such an act of inhumanity that I think it just opened everyone's eyes. Um, it helped out, I think, uh, you know, I, I definitely don't believe he died in vain. You know, there's a movement that started that uh, even if it's just the beginning, um, that I think is very important to the history of, of the world itself. Have you given your children the talk involving, you know, what to do with when the police stop you and what not to do? No, because my children are four years old and one year old. Oh, oh. So it's entirely too early to be having that conversation. Um, but, you know, they're very well uh, connected feeling wise. You know, they understand if mommy or daddy are not feeling well or if they're in a different mood or a fun, you know, they understand. And it was funny, I was driving my son home and I was quiet and I picked him up from daycare and he just started literally singing, it's okay to be upset, but it's not okay to hurt someone. Like he just, just out of the blue, you know? And I looked at him and I said, thank you, son. I wanted to start crying. Like he just felt the energy, you know what I mean? So, and he's four, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So um, I definitely look forward to the days uh, when I can sit them down and definitely have um, the talks about just being a man in general and, and especially being a black man, how fair or not fair, there are just different ways that you have to act and, and not only carry yourself, but be aware of those around you and, 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 and um, other people and how they will react towards you when you do things that are just normal responses. You know, I pick him up from daycare and if he's had a, like a rough day or he's arguing with a kid or they get into a physical confrontation, you know what I mean? It's, we talk about why was he feeling this way? Was he able to express himself? That type of thing. Um, whereas, you know, our parents, it was just, it was different. You know yeah. what I mean? It was different. Yeah. And uh, you, we had to just kind of figure it out on our own as we got older, what right and wrong meant and, and you know, how to deal with our problems and our anger. And, you know, those of us that made it through that um, are trying to, to build a better uh, world for our children. Yep, and and me like I always say like the best thing about the pandemic that it brought out like self-awareness, especially like self-awareness and where we came from amongst our community. Yeah. Definitely, man. I mean, you know, there because just as much as there's people that aren't uh of African American descent in any way that weren't too sympathetic to our plight, you know, there are also people in our community that didn't see it because they weren't treated that way. 
And I think they're all a little bit more aware. Now, you, you feeling black now, ain't you? You know, there's a lot of that going on, you know? And they're like, what is going on? Oh yeah, you too, you know? And you know, if you're mixed, like my kids are mixed, you're still black, you know, you're black first and then whatever else you mix with, whatever, they don't, you know? So it's, 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 it's tough and it's, it's, a, it's a conversation that has to be had and not just overlooked and not, oh, that was years ago. No, no, it really wasn't. It's really right no. now. And um, I think our former president really showed us what time it was um, just by the sense of how many people not only voted for him, but like, you know, storming the Capitol and, and just the looks on their faces of, of just they're in the right here. They're just, you know, I'm trying to speak as plainly as possible. Here. Like, you know, I want everybody to get where I'm coming from. It just shows you not only how far we have to go, but just how the people are out there. Because just because you're not racist, or you're not biased towards this and that doesn't mean everybody is, you know, that's one thing people don't quite get, you know. And, um, and you know, with, with just with the, the overall pandemic, uh, it just taught us really just, just slow down and take, not take for granted things that we normally take for granted. I mean, I'd never, I didn't, you know, catch it. I took, um, I've had plenty of tests, but I've also very, been very cautious. Now in being very cautious, washing my hands, Oh, washing my hands, you know, disinfecting everything. I usually get sick twice a year. Once a little mild, take a little something, and then one time it puts me down. Now I haven't got a cold, I haven't got nothing. And it's just been from, you know, better hygiene and, 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 and taking care of yourself, eating better and, and you know, washing your hands and being mindful of, of germs to it. Just, you know, a normal degree, you can't be overboard with it. Um, but it just showed me, I was like, okay, this, this, this pandemic, it taught me something already. You know, the world has changed, I think, you know, and I like it I, in the sense of back up off me. I'm, I'm from California. I like my space. I need my room. You know what I mean? In New York, you know, they like to be all congested and whatnot. Like, I, you know, I need space, man. I can't, you know, so I kind of like the six feet. And we always just say that back up, give me six feet. You know what I mean? Now it's the real thing, man. So I'm like, good. Well, some good has come of it. Back up off me. <laughs> you you know what was crazy about the pandemic, especially mm. when it first, especially when it first happened. Like people, well, some people were all up in arms about like washing their hands and stuff, and it had me thinking, like, what were these people doing before? Like, you know, <laughs> they never washed their hands. Right, and, right. No, you'd be surprised, but you think about it. Say so you get a cold, or you get something, you touch something, you rub it on your face or your your hand, you're touching your face all the time. That's how it happens. You don't um, know it, you know, like. Um, I my mean, kid like, had to go back to daycare. He came back from daycare, even though they're, they got all this quarantining and, or not just the quarantine, but they all wear masks. Everyone gets tested regularly. And uh, he came back with a cold. And I was like, well, he was at home with us quarantining for months, but he went there and came back with a cold. You know what I mean? Because kids aren't as mindful of that. You can try, but you, you don't know how many parents, you know? So it's like, yeah, I get what you're saying. Like, what were you doing before? But I think it's just increasing it by even 20, 30% will make everyone healthier and then, you know, the world a, better, a healthier place to be in. You know, and when all this is over, I'm definitely not eating at the office potluck no more. That's over yeah, for me. Because <laughs> I don't know what they be doing. <laughs> no, nah, that's true, man. I mean, everything, I'm just saying, everything's changed, you know, because it's still out there. Not everyone's going to get the shots. And, um, you know, hopefully enough people do to calm the spread of this down. Um, but it's just, you know, some people just feel a certain way, you know, some people are old enough to wear, you, know, you just can't tell them much or nothing. They'll just wear a mask forever. 
But uh, but you think about it, like in China and Japan, they were wearing masks for years. And we would just look at them like, what's wrong with them? Must be something out there, something going on out there. But they were like, mm-mm, I know, I need, you know, something in the air. And it spreads easily. Like like a few minutes ago, you just mentioned the, the vaccine. I seen a flyer for a party here in, in New York. It was like, it said like vaccine party, like secret location. I'm like, 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 like people just make a joke out of everything, but the sad oh, part about it, right. it was a real party though. Yeah, yeah, man, it's real, it's real. I know it, and it took a while to really get real to a lot of people. Like in the beginning, you would just, you know, and, and you know, no disrespect to the people that have lost loved ones like immediately at the beginning of the pandemic. But like for me and mm-hmm. most of the people I knew, it was always like you heard of someone that passed or something. Uh, you might know somebody that knows somebody, but then as it went on, you know, you got, you know, I know a couple of friends that got it and that, you know, and hit them different ways. Nobody I know directly died, but, um, you know, it got more and more real for me, even though my habits weren't going to change regardless. You know, you can tell me it's gone right now. I'm not going to stop washing my hands and wiping off groceries and disinfecting everything and taking my shoes off when I walk in the house. You know what I'm talking about? Um, did you film anything like during the pandemic? Like, what Absolutely. was that like it? So, you know, it's funny, right when the, right before the pandemic started, I negotiated for a film called AM Radio that was written by Ricky Purcell and script's awesome. Uh, Everything was set to go, pandemic hit and everything shut down. So, you know, we quarantined and everything in place for a few months. Uh, By around June, I said, um, I reached back out to the director um, and producer and we figured a way to get it done because I think the timing of it was so perfect. The script itself uh, was about a man that is closed in. He's uh, he lives alone. He works at an AM radio station. He's got he deals with mental health issues, alcoholism. You know, a lot of stuff that people could relate to <laughs> over this last year. Uh, without you know, all jokes aside, um, and and I felt like it was a story that needed to be told. And um, I had the look for it with my hair grown out, my facial hair and everything, you know what I mean? I had my whole COVID look going. So I'm like, this works right now. We just have to figure out a way to make it safe. So we made sure everybody was tested, scaled down the, the, um, the crew to just essential workers, you know what I mean? And um, we got this thing done. And uh, I'm very proud of how it came out, you know? So we've got the, the finished product of that. Um, we're doing a, a screening for it uh, in uh, Memphis, Tennessee, which is where we filmed it. Um, you know, because it was a little more spread out there and that's where the director lives and everything. So um, the numbers were lower out there. So, um, and yeah, like I said, this was last June. So, so uh, but it, 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 it came across, man. Um, so I'm, I'm real proud of that. And then, you know, my, you know, my, my team was saying that everything was going to slow down. There wasn't much going on. So this was a project that I took on, you know, fairly in the midst of the pandemic. And uh, just recently I completed a, a, a pilot for Disney and it amazed me the difference in less than six months of a small skeleton crew versus a full Disney production. Um, now, mind you, they were very, 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 very safe. You know, we tested every two days. Everyone wore masks like in their sleep. Like it was very serious. Even when we got back home, I flew back home to L.A. I still had to take another test, even though I already left where we filmed out of New Orleans. Um, but, you know, things have changed. They've really changed, but it, but they're getting back to normal as far as people like living their lives and guys getting back to work. So that's the good news. From a like purely artistic standpoint and just like the beauty of acting, is working with a scaled down crew better, like performance wise? 
Um, interesting, interesting question. I mean, for me, uh, yes, I could focus more. You know, I can take the time I needed to really lock in and go to the places I need to go, especially for that detailed role that was very emotional and, um, uh, you know, very, very strong and powerful in, in, in the storytelling and, uh, and the execution of it all. So, you know, yeah, that helped me for that. It was perfectly timed. Um, but, you know, nothing beats a, a big production because then you just have more resources, more things that you can uh, uh, take care of to make it look better, feel better, and get you more in the zone. If you're in more comfortable surroundings, you have more people, there's somebody that handling every single aspect of you, you know what I mean? So I think it just really depends on the role. All right, so like you've been acting going on 25 years now, right? Or is it longer? Yeah, Woo, how old am I? About to turn 45, I started when I was nine. Nine. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's more math, that's better. That's <laughs> <laughs> they got me counting yeah. over here. Yeah, a little over 30 years, yes sir. Like, how would you describe your ascension from like a child actor to like the season that, that we? I'm sorry. Hmm? Um, that we see the cool today. thing is, uh, yeah, man. I mean, you know, it's just this is all I've known. You know what I mean? So uh, I've definitely grown. I think this this last project that I did that I just talked about AM Radio is really like the completion of my journey as an actor. You know, I'm also writing and producing, and I still do music, and you know, I got I do everything. Uh, so um, as I transit, the, the fun part about this film was the execution, um, the editing of it, uh, you know, the sound, you know, being a producer on a film was was really fun. And, and I wouldn't have been able to do it with the success that I was able to achieve without the career that I've had um, in front of the camera and also observing greats like John Singleton and all and Ridley and all these Ridley Scott, all these directors that are just awesome that I've worked with in the past um, and watching them go about how they uh, uh, put these films together. So um, yeah, it's definitely been a fun journey. It's been a long journey, but it's, you know, I feel like it's just getting started, you know, so that's always a blessing. Have you ever taken like anything from John, from John Singleton um, way of directing and kind of applied it to your own? Uh, well, up. with him, he's more, he was a supreme motivator. He knew how to bring it out of you. So, you know, as an actor, yeah, I, that, there's a few techniques and tips that he taught me on how to just lock in um, that I bring in probably every role since Baby Boy. Um, but then on the other side of it, uh, knowing how to work with different personalities definitely helps. You know what I mean? Some people like that loud uh, motivating in your face type of motivation and some you got to kind of reason with or talk to or explain and some people are just thinkers they just need to understand it you know and that's really more I, I can I can kind of go both ways because when on um, baby boy John Singleton directly you know called me out for everybody say yo you got to step it up you know what I mean and it helped me focus especially at the age of 24 um, and now as I dissect scripts and I go through stuff line 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 wise and then as a producer I just it just has to make sense to me you know what I mean? So sometimes you have to tweak a word or something, especially as an actor. If you're trying to memorize something, um, the best way to memorize something is it has to make sense to you. You understand what I mean by that? Like you, if you I, I know I did a, um, a show called Miami Medical and it was a lot of medical jargon and I didn't go to medical school. So that was probably the toughest uh, job I had as far as lines to memorize because I didn't know what these words meant. I would just have right. to say them over and over again and then hope they came out when they said action in the right order. You know what I'm saying? But for, um, you know, majority of roles that I take, I try to make sure that it's something I can relate to and that I can um, really 
do it justice when I when I put it on film. You know, you you mentioned Baby Boy. Like I heard a whole bunch of different stories about how Tupac was was supposed to play Jody before yeah. he died. Yeah, and um, Thanks. and I think like Tyrese was the perfect choice for that role because if Pac was alive, it it might have been a different movie. Well, definitely, I wouldn't have been in it. <laughs> I was way too young to be in it. So definitely, it would have changed in that regard. Um, no, but all in all seriousness, I mean, if Pac made that movie. John would have cast people around him. You know what I mean? I'm sure it would have still been a classic. Um, it would have just been a different film. You gotta think about it, it was a different era. You know, we're younger than Pac or how old he would have been. I don't know how old you are. I think Tyrese was more our era. You know what I mean? Um, it would have been more like poetic just. This meets boys in the hood. It definitely would have been different, but I think it would have been awesome as well. And how do you feel about like BET playing Baby Boy like three million times a year? Say, well, oh BET, yeah. <laughs> shout out to BET. Boy. <laughs> well, that's the thing, you know. Uh, the movie wasn't necessarily a box office hit. It didn't do numbers like that when it first came out, um, you know. So when I would mention it to people, they like, what what movie is it? You know. But then when BET started playing it every single day, you know what I mean? And it's the movie's 20 years old now. And people still come up to me and say, you guys going to do a sequel? And I'm like, you know, that's 20 years old, right? Like, it'll be, a, you know, it'll be a where are you now type of sequel, like coming to America looking type of thing, you know? Um, but yeah, man. Uh, yeah, definitely hats off. Shout out to BET for the love on that one. You know, um, like, I kind of have a weird sense of humor. And like the edited version on BET, I think <laughs> that's funnier than than the regular one. It was so but, funny, um, man. I was doing yeah. a film out in uh, Thailand and, um, you know, technology was different. It, had it been today, they probably would have said, do you have an iPhone? And we would have been able to fix this problem. But what happened was they needed me to do voiceovers for the overdubs and I wasn't available. I couldn't, you know, I didn't even <laughs> have the savvy to think, well, I'll just go to sound department, send me the script and I'll just send it to you this way. No, I wouldn't even think about it like that. So, um, you know, I think they gave me a week or something. To, and I was like, dude, I'm out here for 13 weeks. I won't be home until they said, all right, well, we'll just get somebody else to do it. But every time I watch it, I crack up too, looking at the edited version. I'm like, who is this guy that they got to play me? Because he don't sound anything like me. It's like a Spanish cat or something. So, yeah, it's hysterical. Was the regular movie supposed to be funny? Because, like, movies like that, I'm, I always find them funny. And, like, well, that's our culture, man. It's funny you yeah. say that because every time um, someone mentions the movie, if they're black, you know, they say, man, I watched Baby Boy. That movie was funny as hell. You know, and I go, hmm, interesting. <laughs> because when we filmed it, we weren't thinking this is a comedy. This is going to be the funniest movie since, you know, Airplane or something. You know what I mean? So, but you just had to play it straight because, you know, life life finds its, its way uh, uh, to just be humorous. Uh, itself so you know I mean there are there are certain parts of the movie you know being Rams coming out naked holding the tray you know in front of them and stuff like that like you could tell there were certain moments we were going for comedy but yeah man the more serious um the scene it seemed the 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 more humor it, it brought out when people you know we'll look at stuff we'll laugh like oh man what are you like and be like that's messed up what are you laughing be like that's just how we deal with stuff sometimes how we process I mean if you think about it specifically there's the scene where I'm I take my belt off and I'm beating the kids at the park Right, I'm whooping them in the, and you can see Tyrese is even he's on the he's sitting there and he's laughing and he's laughing and then he goes, damn, this ain't really that funny and he kind of gets serious. So it's kind of ironic that you say that because that's that that was um, 
one of the emotions that he had to go through in the, in the film. Laughing you know, at something that was <laughs> like how many takes was that scene? Because I'll be just dying laughing for some reason. That take, uh, it was a lot. I mean, John was very thorough. Um, you know, it didn't seem like a lot. Uh, uh, you know, I was locked in, man. So it was fun. But the one thing, fun thing I'll tell you about that scene is the brother that I hit with the belt, we did a rehearsal. And when we rehearsed, I just took my belt off and started swinging it, you know, <laughs> but I wasn't hitting him. I was just swinging very wide, trying not to hit him. But it's a belt. So he came to me in my dressing room and was like, hey, man, yeah, listen, uh, when we film the scene for real, you think you could try and swing a little wider? Because he was tearing my ass up. He's showing me marks on his legs and on his rear. You know what I'm saying? So they actually went and bought, um, which was funny. I don't know how fast they did it or where the hell you find one. But they got a fake belt that was, I don't know if they made it or they went out and got it or whatever it was. But it was made out of styrofoam as opposed to a leather belt that I was wearing. And uh, I just put that on for that scene. So when we filmed it, I would swing, I can just go ahead and hit him because it was styrofoam, it didn't matter. But in the rehearsals, I was tearing his ass up. So yeah, he really got a woman. <laughs> you know, an another um, show that like, I think you're so iconic for it was um, starring on Smart Guy. Like, mm -hmm. like that show was like- Smart Guy was awesome, man. That was fun. I mean, you know, my journey as an actor started when I was nine years old. Like I mentioned uh, earlier, you know, I did a, um, when I first two auditions and I booked one, um, then I would do, you know, I had a, a bubble yum commercial, you know, I think you've seen the memes of it now with me and Leonardo DiCaprio both doing bubble yum commercials when we were like eight, you know, and it's, and from there, uh, I did a lot of little roles, um, uh, uh, Webster, I did a role on there, it was like my first real big speaking role, um, Ghost Dad, you know, and then finally I booked a series, so I booked my first regular series role, and it was Wild and Crazy Kids. And that was on Nickelodeon. So this thing ran for three years. Now back there, a year is like 25, 26 episodes. So it was like 75 episodes of this. You know, so it was a good run on that show. But right when it ended, I booked another show called Hanging with Mr. Cooper. And that ran for five years. You know, so we did over 100 episodes of that. And right when it ended, one of the executive producers that worked on that started Smart Guy and said, man, we need you to play one of these roles. I'm like, hey, why not? You know, so I hopped right into that. We did three seasons of that. It was another 75 episodes. And uh, before I know it, I'm 24 years old. You know what I mean? We started nine and it was just like one long ride through all of my childhood and young adulthood. Um, but, but smart guy itself, I think it was so effective for me and my character because the executive producer knew me from hanging with Mr. Cooper and as he, him and the writing staff would come up with jokes and they, they already kind of knew my timing and my comedy. So it was tailor-made for me, man. I really enjoyed doing that show. You know, the WB, like they had a reputation for black shows and yeah. they had Smart Guy. We call it We Black. Um, yeah, we used to go to yep. We Black Network. Mm -hmm. yep. yep, I remember that. Like, um, like that can you frog. like talk about weird, how important it was for the culture to have like, that oh, definitely. I mean, it was we. It was. I almost said it was we back. It was uh, WB <laughs> and then uh, UPN. You know, with Moesha and all those shows that ran around that time. Um, it was definitely important for us. I mean, you know, that's why everyone was like, "What happened to the black sitcom?" It seemed like it died out for a while, and um, it did. It did. It was a. Uh, it was a great run all through the '90s. You know, we were all friends, all of us. You know, we would hang out on you know set, and you know, a lot of these shows filmed right next to each other, especially that TGIF run with Hang With Mr. Oh, yeah. Cooper and, and, and Classic, Family man. Matters and all that, you know what I mean? So yeah, mm -hmm. me and Darius go way back. So um, 
it was a good time, man. It was a good time to be uh, black in Hollywood. Uh, and then I don't know what happened for about 10 years or so, but it seems like we're coming back now. So, you know, with Blackish, the resurge of that, I just finished a show called Family Time that ran for nine seasons, you know what I mean, which is on the Bounce Network, you know, and then I just starting this new show uh, for Disney. So it's, 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 it's good to be black, man. And we, we're happy we're back and revitalizing the uh, black sitcom that a lot of us have uh, grown up watching. You know, back in the 90s, you know, Mark Cooper and Danny Tanner were like the only two Golden State Warriors fans <laughs> that I yeah, knew back then. Yeah, that's what's up, man. They could really ball, too. He was tall enough. But I learned a lot <laughs> from Mark Curry, man. Curry was Curry was, uh, Curry was a beast. Like, can you imagine Steph Curry leaving Golden State and possibly teaming up with LeBron down in L.A.? Yeah, no. <laughs> I saw somebody mention that, and I was just like, I think that would hurt too many Golden State fans. Even my wife's a Golden State fan. Um, and that would be a little silly. I couldn't imagine that. I wouldn't even entertain that. But, you know, it's funny being a Laker, and I'm a real Laker. Like, when I say a real Laker, I'm a Kobe's forever. And uh, I would always tell everybody, you don't need to ask me about the GOAT story. I mean, I'll be honest. I'll be honest. Michael Jordan is the GOAT. Kobe, for me, is will always be my favorite player because I like his mentality. His mentality was shoot the damn ball. Now, for me – Clock's running down. I don't want the guy that's going to pass the ball. I want the guy that's going to shoot the ball. No disrespect to LeBron. No disrespect to Magic. You know what I mean? And even Magic took the shot. You know what I mean? But Kobe was fearless from the gate. You know what I'm saying? So when they talked about LeBron James coming to the Lakers, I was like, oh, no, no, no. I don't want LeBron James. They're like, yeah, but y'all are terrible right now. You know, Kobe ain't going to come back and play. You know what I'm saying? What are you going to do? You gonna, you need LeBron. And, you know, I had a friend of mine who's a coach. And he was telling me, no, trust me, he's coming and it's about to happen. And I was totally against it. You know, I was like, if you would have asked me before you signed him, I'd have said, no, I'd rather get uh, said anyone. I don't want to, I no, I don't want no problem. But as soon as he came, it, it, what I was very grateful to LeBron James for was revitalizing the culture of, of Los Angeles Lakers, um, making us relevant again. You know what I mean? We were in the hunt. We we're in the conversation. That surge. So I was like, even if he doesn't bring us a ring, at least we're back in the conversation again. And hopefully he'll get somebody to play with him. And that first year was interesting because I was able to get a lot more respect, gain a lot more respect for him because I'm watching him for 82 games. Now I'm a Laker. Now being a Laker, you watch Lakers 82 games. If somebody else plays, you may see him four times a year at most. So I was only seeing LeBron twice a year. Maybe a special game on TNT if the Lakers ain't playing and I feel like seeing well, you know, him up against Boston or whatever the hell else. You know what I mean? I don't know. But I only watched him for twice a year, so I didn't really appreciate the man. So after watching him for 82 games, I definitely um, respect his him as an athlete a lot more. Um, I see the gift that he is, the specimen that he is. Um, I think he wouldn't be who he is without Kobe Bryant and what Kobe Bryant told him when they went to the Olympics and then he comes back an entirely different Kobe's, you know, Kobe's mind was unmatched and he would tell different players. Remember he had that little special. We was just breaking people down. He's like, damn, really Kobe? Like Kobe was basketball for real. But the thing that showed his genius Kobe was he studied the best basketball player to ever do it and said, all right, that's who I need to be. And then more if possible. You know, so of course he looked like Jordan. He studied Jordan, but you can never say he was better than Jordan because Jordan didn't study Jordan to become Jordan. He just became Jordan. Kobe studied Jordan and became 
just the baddest, most respected player ever to me because I don't care what he was doing off the court. When he got on the court, he did everything I wanted him to do. Did he ball hog and shoot the ball? The man scored 81 points. I want him shooting. I want him shooting the damn ball every time. I'd have never passed it if I was cold. He even finished the last. Well, come on, the last game he played, 60 points. That's insane. That's insane. And he started off just shooting them and a couple air balls. We were like, oh, this is going to be a rough last game, Kobe. And by the end of that, you just, you're just just in awe. Just in awe of that man. Um, you know, and then now, now where we are, you know, as Lakers, we're very proud. We won the one for Kobe. We did it in the midst of a pandemic, which was just unbelievable. I mean, the mental fortitude of being in that bubble away from your family, making sure you're staying safe and healthy so that you can make it on the court and then performing on that court. And it was all basketball, no fans, no distractions. It was just basketball, cream of the crop rise to the top. And we did that. So I'm real proud of us. Um, I'm excited for them to finally uh, lower the banner on uh, the 15th. Matter of fact, ooh, we, we close a few days away uh, oh, in the Staples week. Center. Yeah, man. So we're excited about that. And uh, I'm excited to get all of our pieces back on the floor so we can go ahead and see what the Nets is really about. You know what I'm talking about? So do you think the addition of, you know, Andre Drummond could, um, well, kind of like offset some pressure off AD and Brian? Thousand percent. Because last season, it was our two big men that we got rid of. They helped alleviate that you know re- rebounds are, are, are way more are, are so underrated like people don't understand what it means to have a, an extra possession to get that ball and, and you know because if you you keep giving the ball up they get more shots they win you can stop them from scoring and score yourself that's the game you know what i mean it is still a big man sport no matter how well the little guys can shoot period so yes we need a guy that can go crash some boards and get those and get these rebounds for us and it'll definitely take the pressure off of ad and lebron but ad is coming in rested LeBron's coming in uh, superhuman and rested. And uh, Drummond lost a fingernail, a toenail. He'll be fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, we, uh, we love Schroeder. Um, Montrez, I always loved him from afar as a Clipper, you know. And um, and I think, you know, you were talking about bashing the Clippers. I You know, I got like one or two good friends that are Clipper fans, period, which are the only Clipper fans that I know. Everybody else is bandwagons or Laker haters, which are hilarious to me. And... Um, you know, they've got their own demons to battle because, well, yeah, it was just poetic justice what happened to them in the bubble. I just, I, they didn't even make it to us. It's like, come on, man, why would we even talk about that? Mm-hmm. And now, why aren't they just the number one seed in the West? They have no issues, you know. We got both our guys out. We're hanging on to the fourth or fifth seed. And they, like, right under us or right below or right above us. Like, I don't know what the hell, you know. But, you know, hats off to Utah and to Phoenix who are looking terrific as well. So we're going to have to deal with them. We can't let them have too much confidence. But when we get into a seven-game series, Cream gonna rise to the top again. We're gonna do it you know, one more time. That fourth spot might be a little, you know, bad spot for the Lakers come playoff time because if the Clippers stay the fifth seed, they they have to play them, and then in the second round they play um the the, the second or third seed. And that could be Utah. That yeah. could be um the Suns. So like what, that what, fourth what? spot, that's a pretty bad spot for them right now. Only only bad spot for the Lakers in the playoffs is nine. Oh, nah, man. You know it comes down to seedings. If we are the ninth seed, we don't make it. All we have to do is make the playoffs, my guy. If this was the, um, you know, po- uh, pre-pandemic and you had to, you really needed our fans for energy and all that, it'll be limited fans. But that home court doesn't matter as much for one. And for two, 
This is another fun fact about the Lakers. They play better on the road, period. So I don't care what seed we are. We're going to go into whoever's house and handle business, sadly, more so than at home. If we messed around, had the number one seed, we'd probably lose game one. That's just how we were rocking last year. It was crazy because hats off to Vogel. He is a supreme strategist, and that man figures things out. We made major adjustments during the playoffs last year, and that's why we won. We'd lose game one. You lose game one, it's like, gosh, well, there goes that. It was a good, <laughs> it was a good try. But what we do, we didn't lose any more after we lost game one in the first series, then adjusted to them cats. And what we do, run them off the gun line, boss. They was trying to shoot them threes and run up and down the court. I mean, they asked LeBron, so how do you adjust to uh, Portland speed? You play them. Now that we've played them, we know what we have to do. They didn't win another game. It happened three times in a row, you know. Then we got up with the, ooh, Denver. Like, come on, knock it off. 3-1. No, no, no. We ain't the Clippers, homie. Watch this. You know what I'm talking about? And uh, the second best team in the league, whether anybody will admit it or not, last year was the Heat. Because they it wasn't pushed us to six games. Even with a couple injuries, they was out there balling. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, at the end of the day, games may be rough, but that's why you play four quarters, you know. Uh, that's why the series is seven games long. I don't care where we're seated. I'm predicting us to do it. Uh, I think it'll be a lot tougher. We'll probably lose maybe two, two games, uh, a series. I think I predict we'll go seven, uh, at least twice in the postseason. Um, but when it's all said and done, I think we'll be hanging another banner, man. Hey, that one of them seven game series might come against Brooklyn. Like, oh, how you? Like, how do you see them going up against that three-headed monster? I think, let me look into the future. We have the matchup we all wanted. Lakers-Nets, game one, uh, will be in Brooklyn. It'll be a close, very close game. And I believe Brooklyn will win by three or four points. Lakers will win game two and three. Uh, the series will be tied up in four. Then we will go back and forth. We will get to game seven. And we will play the defense that we played last year in Miami, very similar, and lead in that game by 10, 10 11 points. Um, in the final seconds, it'll get a little dicey. They'll, like, cut it to five or six. But uh, I think it'll be a comfortable win and another banner. Yo, but we'll record that and write that down. We'll come back to it in a couple months. <laughs> We're going to replay this, and I'll be in the booth talking about right. it. I called it. I called it game seven. We're up by 10 with three minutes to play for the chip. Lakers. You know, you know that might happen only if and only if James Harden knows game seven and he start putting on one of his classic performances going like 0 for 12 and 16 <laughs> have. I think they have a little too much, honestly. I think they do to win it all. I can, I can see them – figuring it out they'll either figure it out or explode by next year but uh this year i mean if we can you know avoid the injury bug i think hopefully we've got it all out of our system lock in play the defense we know how to play come together as a team no one can beat us but ourselves um even the teams that are doing well right now they're still relatively young overall and we do have the best player in basketball i know kobe i know i said it he's right now man you up there we down here, we got that guy. He's in um, the best, you know, minus the injuries right now. He's in the best shape of his life. 
uh, physically and mentally, which is the most important. And um, I think, you know, who, who's going to guard him and who's going to guard AD? Who, who, who's going to stop those two guys? Now, if we get a little bit of help, they're, they're a matchup problem for anyone. They'd have to put two of the super teams together to stop them and jump on them. three. They got to be triple teamed at all times. It's just, it's, it's, it's not going to happen. If we, if our guys can just go 50% shooting the three ball, 30, not nah, 30% shooting the free throw, the, the, the three ball, we are right. only, only a kryptonite we got is LeBron at the free throw line. Other than that, we good. All right. But look, who's going to stop KD though? Like the, like the last they gotta time. Stop him. We'll let him go. You can have him. He ain't gonna beat all of us. He can't do it by himself. Kyrie's and yeah. spurts. He'll, you know, you give him the big shot, you know, and so we got we got a couple things for him. Um, who else they got? That, 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 who else we need to talk about? And then you got Harden. Harden's a choke artist, you know. No offense. It's just the, something about them big lights that just don't do it for him. If he does show up, it'll be it'll be it'll be to get them to game seven. But in game right. seven, we ain't worried about him. We ain't worried about him. KD will get 35 points. Uh, you know, Kyrie will probably get 32. You know what I'm saying? Harden will go for about 15, 16 points. That's not enough to win. I mean, like, I just don't see it this year, man. And they just added and they just added um Blake Griffin, who's not the same player that 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 he was a few years ago. And LeBron. Yeah, yeah, I think he's playing inspired. You know, it was kind of funny to see Harden turn it up because we played him when he was in Houston. He just looked like trash, you know, overweight, all that shit. Then he came to Brooklyn, was like, oh, never mind. I was just kidding. You know, now he's balling. He's looking at him like, look at you, you know, which means he plays in his head too. So uh yeah, man, I hope I hope the fans get to see that. You know, Brooklyn still gotta make it out. Y'all they, they was battling with the with uh, the Knicks. Like the Knicks was us. I don't know what the hell was going on that game. That day. Even though oh, they swept them, boys, there was some play. Hey, they swept them, but that was close games. I was like, "Come on now, Knicks! I'll pull, I'll pull it for them." You know, I'll pull it for them. <laughs> we were hoping to see the Lakers and the Clippers, and they couldn't even make it. Pressure, pressure, bust pipes. Let's see if Brooklyn make it. Brooklyn, you got to get there. You get there, we'll see what's up. I'm going for 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 the Knicks. Pull it out, come on, Knicks. Lakers, Knicks, hey, baby. <laughs> hey man, if you if you ever need a a new team, the Knicks will be more than happy to have you. <laughs> I bet they would. I bet they would. Maybe I come back in another life, and then I'll be a Knicks fan. Those are my boys, so. I know that's right. I know that's right. Go Knicks, man. I'm happy for y'all, man. Y'all on that side. Just don't come over here to the West Coast or nothing silly like that. They do some weird combination. I know they was talking about doing a playoff version and where it's just all seating. That that could have been interesting. They was going to do that last year. Remember, remember they were talking about that? Um, yeah, they were yeah. The Clippers on one side, the Lakers on the other, and then somehow make us meet in the finals because it was all about record and all that shit. And we were like, okay, that could be interesting. But um, but no, but it's fun. It's, it's East versus West. And uh, y'all got KD out there now too. So, you know, it should be interesting. Looking they can't change them. They can't change that format because Not that rate, the Knicks will never make the playoffs. It's bad enough they don't make it. <laughs> Imagine that. Yeah. Imagine um, – Imagine one through sixteen, like, and, and what do you think about, and what do you think about um, KDs and and Michael Rapport beef that happened online a few days ago? Yeah, like, I didn't hear about. It. I mean, I heard about it, but I didn't see what it was and what they were even talking about. What were they? What were they discussing? Uh, Mike leaked a conversation that that they had, and like KD was just talking mad shit to him about what? Uh, it was basically him about him being a punk and all this and that. 
what was Rappaport's beef with the, you know, sometimes he's clout chasing, man. You know, sometimes he'll make a comment. Oh, yeah. You're like, yeah, that's right. But then it's like, sometimes it's just like, are you bored? Then, you just want some attention, brother? You know. And then he was on, um, I think, a first take or one of them shows. He was on one of them crying. Who was? Michael Rappaport talking about how, <laughs> how KD hurt his feelings. His, ah! his and, yeah, that boy's crazy. You don't get no more of my time. Hey, man, but I appreciate you chopping it up. Man, I got a couple projects I want to talk about. Maybe we could do another interview. You know what I mean? And we'll wrap right. some more because I'm definitely out of time. I got to go pick up my son. He's going to be standing outside like, man, what's going on? Oh. Uh, oh, all right, cool. Yeah, you know I mean, but we good. I appreciate you, brother. Let's set up another. You know, you, you got my info. Let's do another mm -hmm. one because I really want to talk about AM Radio, which is going to drop soon. Um, I'm doing some more music. Look out for the uh, the, the re-release of the big old album uh, called The Excuse, but I'm putting it out on that Omar Gooding so people can find it. You know what I mean? I'm trying to, I'm trying to hide stuff. Uh, and follow me on Instagram and I'll keep y'all posted on everything I got popped.